You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Have you ever wondered how your local Mormon church house came to be there? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints does not operate under a policy, if you build it, they will come. There's no local paid clergy in our faith, no one to just go start a church in hopes of it taking off and working out. There are, in fact, lots of paid clergy, but none are local. Only those leaders the church categorizes as general authorities are paid. Your local Mormon leaders are all volunteers, whether they serve as nursery leaders, Sunday school teachers, elders, quorum presidents, relief society leaders, branch presidents, bishops, even stake presidents. They do so out of the goodness of their hearts, acting in faith, and in many cases, at considerable personal expense. These good men and good women are also responsible to provide for their families. They work full-time jobs, and believe you me, serving as a bishop or stake president is very like having a second, often far more demanding full-time job for which one is unpaid. To be clear, this is not a criticism. There are those who decry the system, to them having paid clergy at the general authority level, but not at the local level, is difficult to justify. Not me, though. Having served as an elders quorum president, as stake executive secretary, and now as a chaplain and missionary for my faith, I submit that the windows of heaven open upon those who faithfully serve. The outpouring of blessings received, the gifts of the Spirit, and the incredibly personal spiritual experiences more than compensate for the service one provides. Not one of your local Mormon leaders are being compensated for their considerable service. Every single one of them provides their labor without any thought of compensation. When you see the missionaries walking or biking on the side of the road, remember this and give them a friendly honk, smile, and a wave. If my words have ever brought you any happiness, please, please always be kind to those truly good young men and young women, irrespective of your desire or lack thereof to hear their message also. Be sure to tell them Hank said hey. There are currently approximately 92,000 missionaries of various kinds serving faithfully. I know most of them. Well, some of them. More than you might expect, y'all. I get around. Not only do they serve without thought of compensation, they're actually expected to pay their own way. Service in your local Mormon church or stake is a matter of devotion and abiding faith. I respectfully submit that the personal sacrifice of those serving and providing that service is worthy of our kindness, if not our respect. So with that out of the way, how do you suppose your local Latter-day Saint church house wound up in your community? Before a local Mormon church is built, there must be a group of local Latter-day Saints there to support it. When I was a very little boy living in beautiful East Texas, we did not have a local place of worship. In those days, we had to drive from beautiful all the way to Dallas, which frankly is much less beautiful, 
Eventually, a small number of families, mine among them, were granted permission to meet closer to beautiful in the home of a member family there to worship. In time, our very small congregation was able to raise funds to rent the worship hall of a lovely Presbyterian congregation to use for our own services. It was a very pretty chapel. I was just two years old, then three years old, and loved that sweet meeting place. Eventually, there were three families meeting in that congregation that drove over from the greater beautiful area. A petition was made to church leadership in Salt Lake asking permission to form what is known as a branch of the church in the area of beautiful. The request was promptly denied. Our family continued to faithfully drive to and serve in that inconvenient congregation, knowing it was the right thing to do. I've not yet said that this was during the great Saudi oil embargo of the 1970s. Gasoline was difficult to come by. Depending on your license plate, you could only purchase gasoline on certain days, and the cost of that gasoline was very high. Incidentally, the nearest gas pumps to our house were 15 miles away, or a 30-mile round trip. To get to church and back was very nearly painful during that time. Nevertheless, we did it, Sunday in and Sunday out. Eventually, a new Mormon family moved to the greater beautiful area. Our number grew from three families to four, and with that, a new petition was sent to church leaders in Salt Lake requesting permission to form a new local congregation or branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the greater beautiful area. This time, our petition was granted. A new branch of the church was authorized. I like to think of it as the beautiful branch of the church. While our request was approved, there was a caveat. The church would neither build nor purchase a building for our use. If we were in earnest about forming a new branch of the church, the funds would have to be provided by those local saints who were eager to see the church established and grow in beautiful East Texas. Incidentally, those first three families were all branches of my family. The households of my grandparents, my uncle and aunt, and our own household. The fourth family were good people who moved in from out of state. It was decided that we would try to purchase a very small church available for sale from the Church of Christ. Their congregation had grown large enough that the little chapel could no longer house them all. It was in a grievous state of disrepair. But the foundations were solid, and our people were confident that we could do the work needed to bring it up to snuff, so to speak. The only thing in the way of progress was the selling price of $10,000. Some of you will think, they bought a standing church for only 10 grand. What a steal. It wasn't. Remember, this was in the early mid-70s. $10,000 was a whole lot more money then than it is now. Remember, too, that we were operating purely on faith and local dollars. There was no financial support offered from Salt Lake. How were we to raise the money? Each family was plainly asked to donate $2,500 for the purchase of the church. Y'all, it was a big ask. My grandparents wrote a check. My uncle's family wrote a check. For my family, it was very difficult. My mother's first husband spent 11 months out of the country each year. He was not there to help. Mama was responsible for everything locally and was herself not much more than a girl. 
They had a dozen Holstein heifers that Mama bottle-fed every morning and every evening of every day by herself, along with all the rest that she was responsible for while raising me and carrying my then-unborn brother. There was no money set aside to draw on, no reserve to tap. Mama, acting in faith, walked across the dirt road from our house to the home of my great-uncle Carl and asked him to help by hauling our family's heifers to the sale barn. That best of men agreed. The heifers were loaded, hauled, unloaded, and sold. Curiously, a check for almost exactly $2,500 was earned for the sale of the cattle. Mama endorsed the check and gave it directly to our local ecclesiastical leader, whereupon the money needed to expand God's kingdom in beautiful East Texas was now assured. I am ashamed to say that when my mother's first husband found out what happened, when he discovered the act of extraordinary faith that made this historic expansion of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints possible, he was not glad. He did not rejoice. No, he was angry and accused his bride of having robbed him. My grandparents acted in faith. My uncle's family acted in faith. My sweet old godly mama acted in faith. To my to my real embarrassment, my biological father, who is not the man I credit with being my actual father, but he is nevertheless connected to me, was angry and conducted himself shamefully. For the next several weeks, our families gathered at the newly purchased church house where we worked hard to restore it to a state of function and use that made our collective efforts and sacrifices worth it. A new roof was installed. The interior was gutted and repaired very very small classrooms were built. The chapel itself was tiny, but lovely. Some of my sweetest, most precious memories of my childhood faith are centered in that wonderful chapel. Oh, y'all, it really was the beautiful branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, despite the church's leadership in Salt Lake never actually knowing that. Much love, Hank. You've been hanked. Did you enjoy this episode of You've Been Hanked? I sure hope you did. If you did, please give us a like and subscribe. If you find this work worthy of your material support, by all means, please consider a paid subscription, regardless of anything else. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take good care. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.